1: Hi, my name is Agile, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. No life, no fun. fun. Don't you know that you're a grown
2: up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your
1: dinner can I- tries basically
2: life sucks as a grown up welcome back Gen X grown-up podcast listener to this backtrack edition of the Gen X grown-up podcast. I am John. Joining me as always, of course, is Mo. Hey, everybody. And would be a show without George. How's it going, George? Hey, how's it going, (laughs) guys? You know, before the days of media streaming and binging, we were often glued to our sets to watch contestants compete for cash and prizes. From quizzes to puzzles to trivia and more, game shows both entertain and allow us to play along at home. So, hands on your buzzers, it's time to look back (laughs) at some of our favorite (laughs) Gen X era TV game shows. Now, before we get into that, we have some great fourth listener feedback from one of our longtime supporters and listeners, Thanos, who no. dropped us a line over on Discord. Thanos. Thanos dropped us a line in reference to the uh, Eddie Murphy Delirious backtrack from a few months ago, I guess. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Here's what Thanos had to say. The Delirious podcast was excellent. You go? End of statement. <laughs> Done. End of segment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's skip the rest. <laughs> no, the rest is good, too. Let's do the rest. Okay, okay, okay. When I first saw the subject, I was worried. Delirious and Raw helped birth my fast with stand-up comedy and I have both almost completely memorized along with An Evening with Robin Williams and Mm. An Evening at the Met. (laughs) Uh, The beginning of Delirious is rough to listen to 40 years later and is littered (laughs) with landmines. George you pointed out a lot of that during the podcast Mm -hmm. how it's a little uncomfortable to watch but it's it was part of the fabric of the culture then. Thanos goes on to say I don't know what I was worried about. You three handled it with style, grace, and the respect and sensitivity it deserves. A perfect example of how these types of subjects Can be handled. Well done. Thank you, Thanos. Appreciate you. Yeah. And he finally says, I'm a little shocked. No one mentioned the fart game, though.
0: This is true. (laughs) We did skip that whole part. And to be honest, looking back on it, because we really didn't talk about too much about like, other than to say like, wow, that was a little uncomfortable. But you know, I'm actually surprised how well we handled the subject. To be honest, I was like, we were adults. (laughs)
2: <laughs> hey, would you call me? Don't say that. <laughs> Thanos, we appreciate you writing in. We love it anytime the fourth listener takes time to write in. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it's drop dead easy. You can hit us up over on Discord as Thanos did at slash Discord or drop us an email at podcast at genxgrownup.com or read every single one. And most of them, like Thanos's, will eventually make the show. All right. Time to jump into this backtrack all about Gen X era game shows right after this.
1: You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But
2: if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not tell them about us? They'll thank you later.
1: Dolls for three hundred. This little sister of Barbie was introduced in
2: 1964. Who, was Skipper? Who is Skipper? Skipper? I knew that. You did Skipper? not.
1: This ship
2: named for a fish washed aground on an uncharted desert isle. <gasps> what is what the name? That was hard. Please, <laughs> tease TV
0: for five hundred.
1: This pigtailed castaway wore bare midriff tops and shorts.
2: Who was Marianne? Yeah, and who packed evening gowns for a three-hour tour? Get into Jeopardy tonight at 7 on 7. As we were prepping to talk about Gen X-era game shows, we realized, first we had a list. And there were hundreds of game shows, <laughs> starting back from the origin, because we lived through the game shows that started the 60s and 70s. We watch constantly right. when we were kids, of course, and we had this huge list and we've narrowed that down to some of our favorites that we'll talk about a bit later in the show. But as we always like to do, we want to kind of start with the origin of the topic we're talking about. And Mo was tasked with the, <laughs> the Herculean effort of digging into the history <laughs> of game shows. So uh, what'd you find, Mo? Actually, it's kind of interesting. As long as it's been broadcast,
0: there've been contests, right? So the first one started with radio back in 1930s and they had those you know, the simple like quiz shows. They put a question out there, somebody would call in an answer, and then you'd win like 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, There's mm-hmm. one called Professor Quiz, actually. That was the really creative names they made up back then. <laughs> they compete then with 25 bucks. yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot, but, you know, 1930s, $25 Ooh. is probably closer to $500 today. So, you know, hey, not nothing. Mm-hmm. They also had a game on radio called Truth and Consequences uh, that began in the late 1930s. But then when TV popped in, they translated it and did like a special broadcast for TV of that radio show, which turns out was like... Exactly the radio show format. They just had cameras on them. <laughs> like they didn't change anything else. Okay. But really, things didn't really get big it's like after World War II that's when they started asking like you know started offering like really kind of at the time big money and had a lot more contests and it was completely unregulated and the FCC actually tried to remove them
2: totally from broadcast because they thought it was gambling and so they were oh, like oh really we
0: can't have that in this country uh, so, so
2: what, what what did they think was the gambling was it because people were like were they bidding or they just had a chance well, to win money chance or? to win money that, ah, that was it
0: hmm, okay but apparently that didn't stop the TV stations from doing Game shows. So they went ahead and just <laughs> kept going with it anyway. And 1946 was a big time because there was a show called Winner Take All, which I'm sure nobody ever heard of. But it actually added think- a lot of things that we see today, like The Returning Champion, because before people would go on once and then be gone. Now they have people. You know, if you win, you came back on the show again, and which mm. kept people coming back to listen to see how far that person would get. You know that you know, and okay. then also the whole thing about the buzzer buzzing in and all that stuff started. Then
2: so the returning champion thing made it like a like a, almost like a story. Like you're going back right. to go. Oh, let's see if this guy continues to go on. So you're almost weaving a little bit of uh, narrative into your game show. Yeah, oh yeah, and people like you know rooting for somebody you know and or against like get that guy off or of against right exactly. <laughs> I hate that
0: guy. I hope he loses next time, and then you'll watch it, or you love the guy mm-hmm. and you'll watch it right. So the first one, though, that became a regularly scheduled game show, because up until then, they were all like one offs, was a game called Cash and Carry. I don't know if you guys, if you get a chance look up some videos on this game because it was it was nothing but product placement uh, it was pretty yeah. much the entire yeah. game um, you know people had to pick like cans had dollar amounts on them but each can was a product that one of the
2: sponsors like a, like a green beans or a peas a or something beans, green giant uh,
0: this or whatever yeah. and then once they picked the can then there was a question that they would ask and if they won they got the money uh, so again it was not very not very sophisticated but it did pretty well actually
2: mm-hmm.
0: so then 1954 Supreme Court said you know what game shows are not gambling So then that just opened the floodgates. (laughs) <laughs> Everybody went crazy after that.
2: Wait, so even when the FCC was saying they were, yeah. they were like they just kept doing them anyway because it wasn't technically was legal, right? It was still it was still it it. being debated. I see. Right. Okay,
0: so you know again, and it was something that people watched, and so TV, you know, especially back then, you know, they were like anything to get eyes on their TVs. They were going with so
1: yeah, it's a hard legal argument for them to make because truthfully, I mean, gambling requires the participant to place a wager, and none of mm-hmm. the contestants are paying for anything thing. They're just there Mm -hmm. with the possibility of winning prizes. It's very much just like a church bingo type of thing.
0: George, you missed your call. You should have been a lawyer because that was almost yeah. exactly the argument they used. that they Really?
1: The <laughs> court.
2: And even if you wagered, it wasn't your money. It's like, all right, we started with a bank of $100. Exactly. How much do you wager? That kind of thing. You, It wasn't real money until you left and it was always you're going to win something.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then in 1955, that was like the greatest time and darkest time in a way because they had mm. things like the $64,000 question, 21, break the bank. And I'm sure you've heard of a lot of these shows and the reason why you mm. might I've heard a lot of these shows is because they were all rapidly cheating.
2: <laughs> it was wait, all wait, staged. Wait, wait, wait. Now, I've heard rumor of, oh, people think it's rigged, but like these were genuinely accurate. Oh, like, they were genuinely rigged.
0: rigged. Oh, they were absolutely oh, really? Rigged. Like 21, the contestants were like, they had one where in 21 that they had a, a guy who was very handsome and personable and stuff. They would feed him answers. So he would stay on the show. Oh, so the the eye candy was back next week. (laughs) And people liked him. Like he was very personal. So, whereas, you know, there's somebody who was smarter, not as good looking, and they like, I mean, they purposely. Totally rigged the games so that to keep viewers. So it was like... Keeping the nerds down.
2: Damn it. Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then, of course, after that happened, it was exposed. Then laws came into place and all this stuff. So they really became a lot more uh, legislated so that they couldn't do any more cheating and it had to
2: be fair. And There were people watching over them and such. There was suspicion that it was cheating and I can imagine that I mean, kind of tainted it, right? It's kind of like when you, oh, yeah. you're you watching a a baseball game and you find out like, oh this guy's actually throwing the game or he's intentionally striking out or whatever, you know. Fans don't want to see that. They don't want to see genuine competition. You know, it's right. so I can imagine after the laws in place that's probably why we saw this bounce back after because now people are like, okay, now I can trust it. Now I can enjoy it and not, at least there's an expectation of fairness now. So that's good. Yeah, And also
0: the people who won some of these games became kind of like mini- Celebrities after they hmm. won this sixty-four thousand dollar question, or whatever. So it was like, who wants to be a millionaire? Except back then, people cared after they won, <laughs> you know. And it would be on talk <laughs> shows, and it would be on this, you know, yeah, um, and that kind of stuff. So then to find out that these this person like basically was fed the answers and yeah. didn't really wasn't that smart, you know, yeah, it was very disillusioning. But but yeah. like you said, the nineteen sixties, the game show totally bounced back, and they changed the focus instead of making it on like, oh, win these prizes. They said, let's make them fun and entertaining. So they became more entertaining shows than game shows in a way
2: oh now that you say that i can sense the the strictly trivia and chance thing mm-hmm. to the more like the like the hollywood squares where You got a yeah. bunch of celebrities and they'll say funny things oh and by the way which one do you agree with kind of thing I, right all right even, huh. even
0: password is always a celebrity and a person right that's right and it's usually a comedian of some sort mm. and then things like the dating game started then which is not Kind of a I don't know if that considered a game show. <laughs> I guess it is. You win a you win a date. Well, you I take guess. your chances for sure. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I guess you won a date. Yeah. Now that's gambling. <laughs> <laughs> the FCC should be against that. But also, the 1960s. That's when some of the biggest names came about, like Merv Griffin, Monty Hall, mm. Chuck Barris, no, Bob. I mean, just that was yeah. when they came in and uh, really started some of the games that even today, to this day, some of these games are still being played or on TV. Those are like legends. Those guys became oh, yeah.
2: celebrities like beyond their game show stuff. Someone went on to do oh, other cool time. stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Wow. Yep. So um, 19, let's jump to 1970s. They also, okay. now was when they got another big boost. So now they kind of switched it up to, they realize that if you offer really big money, then people watch because oh, you sure. want to see that person who wants to be win that million or win what well, the More time, $10,000, you know, um, and also mm-hmm. games like the price is right and all that stuff. And you got like Bob Barker, Chuck Berry, you know, the really Legend. big legends again started coming in uh, Dick Clark, you know, on the $10,000 pyramid. Oh, huge. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. yeah. So they actually even got some like minor celebrities to host these things now, instead of just random mm-hmm. announcer that they've, knew about, you know, right. that kind of thing. Other just they good personalities. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One thing I saw that you put in here in the research, which stunned me, and I have to go back and read it again said at one point in the 1970s, it was possible to watch game shows continuously from nine in the morning to eight at night in some cities. Thanks Mm. to syndication. (laughs) Nine in the morning to 11 hours of solid game shows. And they're typically 30 minutes. So we're talking 22 game shows that you could watch all day long because you had the local channel had their stuff and yep. then you had the network had their stuff and then syndication you could bring in shows either repeats or new runs stuff that is crazy and it's during that time you had noted that the like the big the big 2 i would well two of the big two or three i guess wheel of fortune one of the huge ones and family feud that was the window of time when those really took off and became and still are very very popular yeah (laughs) stunning
1: that factoid just reminds me of the movie pcu where the guy is sitting on the couch and he's trying to watch the the two different tv shows he's like there's this thing and this thing and this is my dissertation for my college (laughs) phd about (laughs) tv watching (laughs) you see the guy sitting there watching game shows the whole time but the one that gets me is you know when cable came around in the 1980s that's when you started getting a lot of the the smaller niche game shows yeah. like on mtv you know you got remote control oh yeah Nickelodeon had the kids double dare stuff mm-hmm. i mean all that stuff was designed to appeal to a younger audience because the younger audience was more in tune with the cable revolution where the older audience was still watching the over the air CBS, NBC, ABC stuff. And it was kind of like the younger kids were, Cable was their thing, and that was us. That was me when I was growing mm-hmm. up in mm-hmm. the you know late seventies, early eighties, when all that stuff was happening. So I remember transitioning from my parents' game shows to my game <laughs> shows, right? Yeah, and that was a big deal for me in the eighties
2: because those game shows, like you said, Mo, those came out of after World War II. That's when it started to really ramp up in the late forties and early fifties, mm-hmm. and that was that, that's boomer shows. Those were the shows of our parents, our boomer parents. So cable, new shows, shows for us. And that's plus the the, the gamification or the celebrity of them right. combined. No wonder it became so popular. And also, I mean, remember back when we were little kids,
0: you know, you had the four network channels and they had to appeal to everybody, right? They tried to appeal right. to everybody. Whereas yeah. now you have like Nickelodeon. They cared, cared about kids. That's the there only, that's yeah. the only yeah. audience yeah. they cared about so everything could be geared toward them. So, and then we jumped out to the 1990s. This was actually kind of like a downtime for game shows because of cable, honestly. Yeah. Network TV just couldn't really compete. They couldn't get the audiences anymore. But then in 1994, because of cable, the game show network started. There you go.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Cable started to ruin game shows and then it brought them back in a big way. (laughs) Exactly. Who thought that a game show, you would
0: watch
2: a game show from 20 years ago Mm. and it'd still be interesting, but people did. I mean, it's crazy. It almost doesn't make sense. But yeah. then you watch one and you forget that it's pre-recorded because yes, you can't indeed. affect the show anyway. As long as you don't know the outcome, it's the same surprise, yeah. the same trivia you learn, the same, you know, jokes that happen that you would have enjoyed back then. And plus you get that that slice of life, like, oh, this is from mm. the sixties. Listen to the way people acted and the way people dressed Redressed. and the way people talked <laughs> yeah, back then.
1: Big hair. <laughs> so you get
2: it you get that extra layer of nostalgia well, and entertainment.
1: One, which one of the networks came out first? Was it Game Show Network that came out first or cartoon? Cartoon Network, because I think Cartoon Network, Cartoon Network right? came out first. I think, mm-hmm. I think so. Cartoon yeah.
0: Network was early days, and of that's cable.
1: probably why they felt like Game Show Network would be successful because Cartoon Network had been successful then. Would be my guess. I mean if you're sitting there looking at that model, like John's talking about, like who thinks game show network makes sense. But if you have it in the context of, well, the cartoon network is kicking ass. We might as well try game show network and see, cause they, as Mo's research found out, they certainly had plenty of game shows. Oh to yeah. Use because <laughs> you could watch them for 11 or whatever hours a day.
0: <laughs> I bet you could get them on the cheap too for programming. Oh sure. Oh, get all yeah. that stuff. So it's probably inexpensive to put, to put that cable channel on.
2: Well, and, and- game shows are inexpensive to make in general. I mean, the production of the prizes, once you have the the stage and set up and you have the rules set up, it just costs you the production cost of whoever's on the staff and the yeah. prizes. There's no writers, there's no script, there's no really editors because it was usually live and it's just punch live. So you don't have to edit it. So they're really inexpensive to make. So you do them like five days a week, you know, they'd yeah. be regular. So you have hundreds and hundreds of episodes. You have a show that ran for three years. You're like, oh, what is that? Like 60 episodes? No, not for a game. Show that's (laughs) hundreds hundreds. of episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's got to be writers, though.
2: Well, certainly, like to write quizzes and stuff like that. But if it's something just like like think like a Wheel of Fortune, you have to make up you know five puzzles for the show. It's not like you have a whole lot of in depth research and writing. Mm -hmm. Jeopardy is one that probably is more research because you got to dig into facts. But yeah, they're probably just digging through Trivial Pursuit cards and just let's see, let's (laughs) (laughs) this box. (laughs) So
0: now you get to the 2000s, and this is when game shows actually made a really big comeback because they realized how to draw audiences was really big prizes and really high Mm -hmm. stress. (laughs) Mm. So (laughs) things like, who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah, I remember when that first oh, came out. Holy yep. cow. First, everybody yeah. was watching that. Uh, the Weakest mm-hmm. Link, another height. Yeah, And also, that's when a kind of a new subset of game shows of mixing reality TV with prizes. So, Survivor, Big Brother. Because oh, right. it says those are game shows.
2: Yeah, Kinda, I, I mean, they are. But like you're living the show, not playing right. the show. Yeah, it's much more involved in both cases. Ironically, I love Survivor. Can't stand Big Brother. They're almost the same show. <laughs> one's on an <laughs> island and one's <laughs> in a house.
1: <laughs> one's outside, one's inside. That's Pretty it. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty
2: much, <laughs> yeah. But they gotta do like
0: out in the where they do uh, Survivor now. It's always in that one country, right? Uh, where They think like, stop uh, bouncing,
2: yeah, like Samoa somewhere, Samoa, Fiji. Right they're Fiji, yeah, they're in
0: Fiji right. now, Fiji. Yeah. yeah, see, of course, yeah. they're in Fiji, whereas the other one's in California somewhere, right? So who cares?
1: <laughs> well, or London or wherever. I think it was interesting though that. Those shows you mentioned, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Weakest mm-hmm. Link, I don't remember because you know I grew up much later. Game shows being on in prime time until then, that's, but that's a good point. the old mm-hmm. game shows, yeah. like the fifties and sixties, used to be in prime time. So when those started coming out in primetime in the 2000s, it was like TV event. Like everybody was like, mm-hmm. when's the next who wants to be a millionaire coming? Cause they didn't yeah. come out every night at first. They were like once a week, or they were right. like a new one's coming out in two weeks or something. And people were right. glued. They would run
2: little bursts. They'd run for a week or two and then stop and then run again. Yeah.
1: It kind of brought back appointment TV a little bit. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. people didn't want to wait for their DVR to kick in. They wanted to watch it right away. Well, also, right.
0: Yeah. M- imagine trying to not find out who won on who, you know, if you're a- Difficulty mm. of the show, you know, right? Dodging the spoiler. Night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: You know, as soon as you went to work the next day, you found out who won. Cause everybody's talking about, I can't believe that guy won. Shh, I didn't see it yet. Too yeah. late. Or yeah. didn't win. Or he <laughs>
0: lost, you know, or he gambled yeah. it all and lost everything. So, and then, so look at today. Recently, there's been a really big revival of the classic game shows where they basically kind of got newer hosts, uh, like, you know, Family Feud, Price is Right. And they rebooted mm-hmm. some games like Match Game and $100,000 Pyramid now. And right. again, just getting some new hosts, getting some new community comedians and just kind of like modernizing it but still keeping that little nostalgia feel of the old game
1: yeah i think sure. mine that's going to be down in the list when i talk about the new host of that show when they revived it in the 20 teens is going to blow everybody's mind there's no okay. way that person should have been hosting a game show
2: <laughs> cool okay well what a segue then okay yeah so that's perfect we, so we've got a background on these shows when we get back for the break we're going to dig into some of our favorites and talk about why we liked them so much stick around Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Weekdays on CBS, it's time to press your luck. (laughs) TV's hottest new game show where you can win a bundle or lose your shirt. Watch host Peter Tamark and give contestants the chance to win a fortune. I'm going to press my luck. Are you ready to press your luck weekdays?
0: In the heat of the day, the all-new Card Sharks deals you a handful of excitement. I'm Bob Eubanks, inviting you to join the fun as fortunes are won with the turn of a single card. Weekday.
1: It's appropriate for us to probably start off with the most well-known game show. So Mm. that way, we're talking about the ones that the largest part of our listening audience will remember. And Mm -hmm. Mo, I think the one that you selected is probably, (laughs) I mean, it's probably the granddaddy of them all. It may (laughs) be one of the longest running in a row kind of shows. Uh, It's been out there for a while, but why don't you tell us what your favorite well-known show is? Oh, my favorite is definitely The Price is Right. (laughs) come on down Bob Barker don't forget to have your contestants spayed or neutered yep I mean because it started (laughs) not not the contestants George well who cares
0: I mean it started back in 72 like the modern version Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. and it has been on continually pretty much since then and the reason why I just remember this show is really not because I particularly liked it although there were parts of it I did because there was all the little mini games they had in it Mm -hmm. you know like the guy with the yodeling going up the mountain <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> Climber, <laughs> yes, is a. Uh, I remember Click most is just rather. is when I met my, was uh, with my grandmother, like maybe during the summer, or if like my school had a holiday and nobody else did, so I would go to my grandmother's house and hang out their day. And she loved this show, and I think she loved this show because she loved yelling at the people on TV who did not know <laughs> how much five pounds of sugar cost. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "How the hell, you know, nah, 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 you know, don't, did, did, did this person." Never been in a store. Doesn't know what a dozen eggs cost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it
1: get me, I saw a documentary about it. There was a guy who, I guess he must have lived in California, and he went to a ton of the TV show tapings, and he built his own little database of all the prices because apparently they didn't change oh. them from show to show for a while. Oh. Yeah, And so he knew everything within like a few cents, and he would be shouting them out. He got up on stage one time, oh, and the right. only – that was the time when they gave him something that had never been on the show before so he lost of course (laughs) but he was in the audience shouting it and then another couple apparently was trying to take credit for what he had done and it went back and forth crazy stuff with that but yeah the fact that they it to john's point of having very few writers i guess that they never changed their prices from year to year on the items that they brought up. That just shows how, like, they got in a rut and just went with it, I yep. guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. And talk about product placement. Price is right oh is gosh.
1: just, Oh yeah.
2: here's a product that's been placed. How much does it cost? That's the question, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I never heard of rice <laughs> until this <Right>. show. rice <laughs> And you know what? It's the San Francisco treat, pal. <laughs> Man. I associate the Price is Right with not feeling great because that was oh, what i watched the yes. most if i was homesick sick oh, for whatever right. reason i think i wasn't awake in time during the summer to watch it because i would watch cartoons on saturday but otherwise i would sleep in so i didn't get up what was it on 11 12 1 i don't know but if i was homesick, like when i see the prices right you see the logo with the the chasing spotlights yeah. around it right and i like i can taste 7-Up chicken noodle soup, <laughs> a little uh, NyQuil or DayQuil or whatever. You could have a little cold or something at home from school. And I don't know what, it made it so much fun to watch when you're sick. And it made me feel better. And so I associate that with feeling sick, but it makes me feel better having watched it. It just it, I look at it and I taste the soup and the yeah. Sprite and whatever I was eating.
0: I feel better. I mean, and George, you're saying how this is so uh, like one of the big granddaddy games. There's over 9,000 episodes. Episodes of the prices.
2: Wow! (laughs) Holy moly!
0: (laughs) I mean, it's it's just crazy. I mean, I can't imagine how much money and stuff they gave away, but. It was a. It was one of the few hour long ones as well. It was like a full hour show. It, was, it wasn't just a half That's hour. That's right. They would do. Hell it would yeah. be like two halves, and it had the big final. You know, the final the uh, showcase, showcase showdown. Right. I'd never take the first one. I remember that too. Like, is that the rule? the, okay. the second Pass. one. The second one was always oh, wait, better. Yeah,
1: the second showcase is always better. It Was always right? better. <laughs> I don't think they gave away a lot of money though, because mm-hmm. I think those items were provided by the manufacturers in order for the product placement that John was talking about. Like. Yeah. You know, a car company would probably give the car to the show to give away oh, I'm sure. as
2: part of the compensation for the advertising. Because
1: they got free advertising. It's, it's, it's advertising. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I don't think they I mean, I know. There were some of the shows where they would – or some of the games where they'd give out – you know, he'd take a crisp $100 bill out of his pocket yeah. on the wheel <laughs> and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think the show itself cost them nearly as much money as they generated. Yeah. Production costs. Oh, it's definitely
0: not. I bet they generated
1: yeah. far more in that yeah. yeah. For
0: sure. For sure. Mm. So – and one, I'll Love leave it. with this one. The Price Right has, has only had two hosts, basically. Bob Barker mm-hmm. until 2007. Yeah. And then Drew Carey mm. has been doing it since. That's that's wow.
2: it. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking about the transition from Bob Barker to Drew Carey and how awkward it was at first and how now Mm -hmm. if you watch it recently, it just feels like he owns the show. Like he's now in it. And he's not just copying Bob Barker, but he certainly does things in a way that is reminiscent of what Bob Barker would do. You know, the kind of. He's not smarmy, but just on the edge of smarmy and super friendly. And everybody just wants to go up there and stand with Drew like they want to go up there and stand with Bob. It's really, it's really neat how Drew kind of grew into that after being kind of an oddball, quirky comic and an actor is really neat. Yeah. So so that was mine. He said a lot of history, yeah. a lot of great stories behind it. But mm-hmm. uh, John, what do you got for us? <laughs> So, interestingly, I would never ever be on this show, but I really <laughs> loved The Newlywed Game. I think I loved it and still love watching uh. it because of how incredibly uncomfortable it makes people, the, the contestants, which is different from every other show where they're there just to, you know, answer the questions and do stuff. So, if you haven't seen it, The Newlywed Game, originally hosted by Bob Eubanks, amazing guy they take newly married couples and pit them against each other in a series of revealing questions to determine how well they do or don't know each other <laughs> <laughs> and invariably it was like and they have the they make them write it on this big poster board and they answer all the questions and write them down and then they sit there and talk all right we asked your husband uh how many times a night does he come home and dinner's not ready and
0: then <laughs> yeah it's so like some
2: some sexist all thing. right let's see what he said and he holds up the board and it's something terrible you know it's like he said every night and then she hits him or something crazy <laughs> right it began in 1966 on abc wow that long wow yeah it and like so many shows i Many of the shows I looked up, it ran for eight and a half years, and then it was canceled. And then they ran a syndicated version from seventy-seven to eighty, and then that got canceled. And then eighty-five to eighty-nine was the new Newlywed Game, and there was another one in ninety-six to ninety-nine. It just kept coming back. But uh, <laughs> the early on, after the uh, eighty-five to eighty-nine run, the Newlywed Game was the longest-running daytime game show until Family Feud passed it in nineteen eighty-five. But it wow. had been, it had been the king. Of all those. Probably the most memorable part of the show is because when it started back in the 60s, you couldn't say sex on TV. You couldn't talk about sex. (laughs) You couldn't say intercourse. You couldn't say that. And so Bob Eubanks came up with this making whoopee euphemism for sex. And he would know the question would be like, so we ask your spouse, how many times per month do you have whoopee not in the bedroom or something? You know, be a <laughs> question like that. And it'd be some and so they'd make him come up with revealing answers. Right. And later in the late 70s and 80s and 90s, when you could say sex and whatever on on they continued to say whoopee because make him a catchphrase of the show. They would not say that just because that became the joke that was a running joke in the show. And so making whoopie <laughs> became a universal
1: Whoopi. euphemism outside of the newly wed game if you were talking about sex <laughs> i still think the newlywed game has provided my my favorite crazy contestant moment of all time of any of the oh, really? shows and okay. that's the I one where the, one you mean. the couple no, go ahead Yep. Yeah, everybody does it's the one where the the couple the the husband's already written down his answer and Eubanks says, what's the most uncomfortable place you and your husband have ever made Whoopi? And she oh, says, yeah. in the ass. And they have the breather. And, and Bobby Eubanks look on his face. i mean, in the location. husband has like in the backseat of a Volvo right. or something like that on his car. <laughs> And she's like and he he asked her to clarify and she's like in the <laughs> ass what do this you This is mean? quite uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man I swear but you watched that show though for when people were just not on the same page
2: I mean that's what you watched it for right yeah exactly. you watched them be uncomfortable yeah (laughs) and the last thing I'll say is in 2013 TV Guide ranked their 60 greatest game shows ever Newlywed Game was number 10 okay for its longevity and its popularity and its rewatchability there's something about the other people uncomfortable and I'm not involved is so nice (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Newlywed Game is the longest running probably Best known show that I, I can rewatch still today.
1: How about you, George? Do you have one that uh, well known that your pick? Yeah, I mean, along with uh, with Mo's only having two show hosts, mine has two and a half okay. i'm gonna call it <laughs> okay. a oh wheel of oh, fortune yeah. which started in 1975 wheel of fortune yeah so the original host and this is you know one that's like one of those trivia points is chuck woolery he oh, was sure. the guy who was there really first he was a, he was the host. legendary he was the original host wow he left though in uh 1980 because of a salary dispute with merv griffin who became kind of the king of tv Big game shows Big producer mainly due to this show's mm-hmm. popularity so for a little while, when Woolery left over the salary dispute, believe it or not, Alex Trebek hosted really? it for like Did half he? a year. Oh, yeah, interesting. wow! Right, this is not when he and Pat Sajak would flip roles mm. as a lark between the two shows later right. on, but this was he was the host for a while. But then December twenty-eighth, nineteen eighty one, Pat Sajak, the, the guy who's hosted it up until now, who's actually in his last season yeah. now. He's about mm. to retire. He's been hosting it ever since. And that's probably the time frame that I remember most because Wheel of Fortune is one of the game shows that has changed quite significantly while still still keeping a lot of elements of its base game intact, right? So if you remember back from the Chuck Woolery and Pat Sajak days when it first started, what was the driving force behind the contestants winning their games, right? They would spin the wheel, they would right. build up money, they mm-hmm. would solve the puzzle. But then what did they have to do with that money? They had to they buy shopping. prizes. Yes, they right? had the oh, camera. The and it went, I forgot yeah, about that. Like,
2: and, and finally, at the end, they go, and eh, let's put the rest on a gift certificate. <laughs>
1: Exactly. (laughs) That was the part that got me the most. Like, you've got $45 left. What are you going to do? Well, there was nothing on that set for $45. It was like a lamp for $700. Or it was all army prices. And the prices.
2: Yes, the prices.
1: I'll take the ceramic dog for three grand. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy (laughs) prices. So the people back then, when Wheel of Fortune, they would win. They would have to go home with all this shit. And they would have to pay the taxes on it. <laughs> so contestants were continually getting pissed and pissed and pissed until finally they started transitioning <laughs> to a money-only format, right? Mm-hmm. Then oh, they, yeah. for- they transitioned into the bonus game where you could win, uh, I think it was like a few thousand dollars or something like that. Now that bonus game is is this crazy thing that has a mini wheel that they spin and they pick up a card and it can be a Volvo or uh, $50,000 or something like that they get the five letters R-S-T-L-N right, then they get Mm -hmm. the vowel E Mm -hmm. and those are populated for them then they pick three more all this stuff is evolved over time as things have become cemented or rooted in the game show's legacy but for me my favorite part was watching that show with my mother after Mm. dinner every evening Mm -hmm. and watching these idiots have (laughs) to go and Okay, I solved the puzzle. Uh, I'll buy that lamp for $750. (laughs) And and each each one of the set, like they had different rooms of stuff like that were themed. Like there was, Mm -hmm. let's go to the dining room. Let's go to the bedroom. bedroom, And all the stuff in that little section was themed toward Mm -hmm. that particular part of the house. Or maybe Mm -hmm. it was a special show where it was like a part of the world or something. I, I just remember sitting there with my mother trying to solve... Solve the puzzles, and what would you buy? What would, and we would write our own score down, and everything. It was fun; just (laughs) had a blast
0: with it. The thing I remember most about this is, I mean, you can't talk about him without talking about Vanna White. I mean, Mm, she—they've been. been a pair of letter flipper. I remember there was a controversy where they were going to get rid of her yeah. because she's getting old. Controversy, you know? Oh, the old was, controversy because she was getting old. And past Ajax says, "If she goes, I go." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, which I'm like, I thank you. You know, I thought that was yeah. very you know admirable of them. And they've even had times when they like when he had I guess laryngitis or something, and they switched roles where she hosted yeah. and he did the letters <laughs> and stuff. Be,
2: because I mean, what she does can be done now. She it used to be. She literally was rotating this right, barrel. Right. Like, th- there was a letter and a blank. Right. She had to. Rotate it. So you needed someone to do that, but now they're all digital. You don't, li- you literally don't need a person to do those things. But it's become part of. It's ingrained into the fabric of that show. Yeah. You need that True. secondary, the co-host there flipping the letters. You know, kind of a, a spokesmodel up there. It's it's become part of it.
1: It's the same thing with the announcer Rob Roddy on Prices mm-hmm. Right to Bob yeah. Barker, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, you had to have come that. Part of it. it could have been Bob <laughs> calling the person down, but they wanted Rod Roddy to do it or whoever it was. I think with uh, Vanna White, she survived multiple firing attempts in her mm-hmm. career. The one you're talking about, Mo, but there was the one from the eighties where some previous photos that she had done when she was younger got released and published in playboy. And it was very controversial because that was also around the time when the uh, miss America contestants were having the same thing done with their photos. And they were wanting to take her off the air because it wasn't considered wholesome content because Mm -hmm. she had been in playboy. And I just remember my mother and my father talking about it and saying like how, you know, they, they understood why the, why the showrunners would want to take her off because they were afraid that it would tank the ratings and drive off the uh, advertisers who were on well, the shows
2: yeah. it, well, it's become such an institution now this is the show I mean, pat say jack and vanna and the show itself and the wheel and everything about it you know i'm gonna buy a vowel things that have become part of the vernacular of yeah. you know oh i'm gonna you, know, you want to buy a vowel when you're trying to think of something and you're, you're puzzled and it's all based on hangman effectively it's all that it yes. is <laughs> right. Is. And, and they've woven a show around guess the words that you can't see just the blanks. Yeah. And you know, a, a
0: show has made like the, what do you call it, the zeitgeist or whatever it is of puppet mm-hmm. culture when it's on South Park.
2: Right. There well, you go. <laughs> <laughs> these people are really Permanent. annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. But <laughs> Stan, daddy only said that word because he thought he was going to win a lot of money. <laughs> Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at genxgrownup.com. We're with you for the new
1: season of Wheel of Fortune. Join Pat Sajak and Vanna White for the number one game show, number one in glamour and in entertainment, and number one
2: in prizes when contestants combine luck and skill with each spin. Get your family involved and see who can solve the puzzles. It's fun and the chance of a lifetime. All new shows on the new season of Wheel of Fortune. Weeknights at
0: 7.30
2: on Channel 6.
0: We talked about the well-known game Mm -hmm. shows, but there were a lot. A lot of weird local <laughs> one-off shows <laughs> that I know I remember, but maybe the general not everybody would remember. So, mm-hmm. John, why don't you kick us off? What's one of those just oh yeah strange
2: shows? <laughs> and, and one of my all-time favorites too. You know, so it's called the Liars Club. So let me just start and say, have either of you ever heard of or watched the Liars Club? Never. You know what that is? Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. So, first, a little background. It first started in 1969, an amazing year for anything to begin, because that's when I was born. (laughs) It was hosted by Rod Serling, of all people. What? Wow. Yeah. Uh, Rod Serling was the host the first couple of years. Somebody else filled in, and then he came back from 76 to 79. Uh, Another guy took over later. It ran, like many shows, like I said, it came on and off and on and off. It kept coming back. The concept of the Liars Club is you have, I think it's always two contestants, maybe three, I think it's two contestants, and a panel of celebrities. See These celebrity guests, like Hollywood Squares. You know, like you okay. had different celebrities. Many of them were regulars, but sometimes people rotated in and out. I remember Soupy Sales, big comedian from oh, the 70s. Wow. He was on there many times. There's a story about him, I'll tell you in a second. But the concept was they would bring these obscure objects. They might be like a special tool only known to certain craftsmen or like a mechanical device that you wouldn't normally use in the home. like maybe it's a medical device or a okay. industrial
1: tool or something.
2: Yeah, or or like a part of a household object that's usually covered. You don't see the
1: inside of it, right? Yeah. Now I remember this show.
2: Are you remembering it? Okay. One of the three celebrities would know the truth. They all knew what it really was, but you couldn't tell by looking at it. And so what happened is each of the three celebrities would say, oh, I know what this is. This is a gadget Mm -hmm. that's used on airplanes to do whatever. And then, okay, well, the next person would go, no, you're totally wrong. This object is actually a medical device used in the, the... we're yep. birthing babies. It's a mechanic. <laughs> uh, <so> that's <laughs> laughable. Babies. This thing is actually a piece from an airplane engine, right? Whatever. One of them was right. <laughs> and the celebrities would do their normal shtick with each other. So it was really what you were talking about earlier, Mo. It was this entertainmentification of game shows. Let's make them entertaining to watch and fun celebrities, comedians usually. And then what would happen is the contestants, initially, they get $100 for guessing right. And then later they made it gambling, like we talked about earlier, where you could wait. A certain amount of your bank, and in as, as subsequent rounds the odds got better: one to one, two to one, ten to one, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy that had the most points at the end was the one that would win. Now it evolved in in later years, and there was uh like uh sometimes they would have like a big thing at the end where they had a a, a giant gizmo, and they had to wheel something in on a cart because it was too big to hand around to people. Or they would have what I thought was really funny art corner, where they'd have a piece of art, a painting or something, and the three celebrities would tell you. Well, two of them lied, one told to tell the truth. Then name of the painting like oh well, this is ah, called geez. two dogs at dusk you know this one's has whatever and paintings are often silly names anyway
1: right <laughs> what always got me about this game is that it reminded me later on in life john when we started playing the jackbox game the mm-hmm. format of that game now reminds me of balderdash where you have make a lies. word that you're trying to make up right. a definition for exactly and yeah you're lying for it to try and get votes it's the same feeling almost
2: mm-hmm. yeah I'll always remember, I mentioned Soupy Sales earlier, and whenever I watched the old episodes from the late 70s on on this one set that I remember, there was an episode where they had this thing that looked for all the world like a weirdly shaped chainsaw almost, but it had like a little, little teeth on the end of it. And when Soupy Sales was describing it, he said, oh, well, this is a saw used specifically for whatever. And he like grinds it on the front of the set and takes a big chunk out of the set. <laughs> <laughs> to show
0: it, to so it worked.
2: <laughs> yeah. During the show live, he like, Grr, like, oh, see how well it works. And everybody kind of, you know, was shocked a little bit. But I remember I could always watch and I could look for that hole in the, the edge of the desk where Soupy Sales sat to see if this was before or after that episode I watched oh, because he literally damaged the set and they didn't replace it. They just kind of patched it and there was like this oh, little off color part of the set. So for that and lots of reasons, that's why Liar's Club was my favorite lesser known. Although it was funny how as I started describing it, your eyes kind of lit up and like, oh yeah, not that lesser known. It's a little bit known. <laughs> George, how about you? What's your uh, pick for a lesser known game show?
1: Well, it's probably no surprise that my lesser known game show revolves around poker. Oh, of course, uh- That is the 1978 game show Card Sharks. I really enjoyed this. It's basically it's AC Doocy in a game show format, if you want to think of it. So okay. contestants, they each have their own 52 card deck. They cut their deck off screen and everything. And then, and they are these giant sized cards, of course, mm-hmm. so that you can see them well on camera. And they line up like seven or so of them in a row face down. So they can't see them. They turn the first card up and now the contestant has to guess whether it's higher or lower. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And the way that the contestants got a chance to decide, you know, first there was a coin toss, but then they had to answer questions and buzz in, and whoever buzzed in faster got to run their cards. And the whole object was to get through all seven of your cards. Now, if you guessed wrong, you went all the way back to the start, Ugh. or if you <laughs> yep. had moved in a previous round, say like you'd done three cards, and then you got kind of a weird card that you weren't sure, like an eight, Eight or a nine or something like mm-hmm. that you could freeze and when you would freeze they had this little bar that would come across and it would sit right next to that card and then the next time that you got a chance to go the host would say hey do you want to stay with that card or do you want to change it from another card from your deck the top card mm. and so you would you know if okay. it was an eight or a nine or something like it, oh change that card change that card and they would <laughs> flip up the new card and you'd be praying for a king or a two or something like that and higher. a and the crowd would be shouting and everything. I just really, really loved that game show. Now, it was originally hosted by Jim Perry, but the host that I remember the most for it was Bob Eubanks. Oh, and He yeah. was on it Did the he? whole time that I was really watching the show and my dad would actually watch the show with me because it was a poker show so mm-hmm. you know yeah it was right in his wheelhouse of gambling and he would try and come up with ways to like gamble my allowance with me and shit on it <laughs> <laughs> did you ever win oh hell no he always made sure it was rigged for him to win <laughs> But I love that game show. It was just so much fun. But in the modern day landscape of game shows, not a lot of people have heard about it, except for the fact that it's had a revival. And the revival, oh. which went from about 2019 to 2021, was hosted by uh, Joel McHale. Oh, right. Yeah. And he did a pretty solid job with it. I watched probably 10 or 20 of those episodes, and he he did a solid job. Now, he is definitely no Bob Eubanks. Nobody is mm-hmm. Bob yeah. Eubanks. Yeah comes to game show hosting. But it was a solid revival. Other than that, people aren't going to remember this show very much. But of our three lesser knowns, it's probably the most well known of the three lesser knowns. Mm You know, what
2: I found amusing is just like with the Liars Club, and you guys, I've never seen this show, don't know it. I don't remember Card Sharks. As you start describing the rules, I'm like, oh, hell, oh, hell, higher, lower, higher. Like, I remember now (laughs) because even if you didn't like tune in to watch it, the way we watched TV back then, it was on before this and after that. So maybe you just stuck around that accidentally saw stuff, I know I watched easily 30 episodes of that passively while I was waiting on the next thing to be on the air. <laughs> so
1: I, I <laughs> do know it as it turns out. <laughs> the one that I always, the mechanic that I love the most was the way that they did the questions to des- decide who determined control of the next round. Mm-hmm. They would say, how many people out of a hundred did blah? Mm. And the oh, first okay. person would say 65. And then the next person, his job was to say higher or lower oh, than that yeah. number.
2: Than the other guy guess oh yeah neat. yeah
1: and so Rings later on they did a revision where if the person who guessed the number got it exactly right they got a 500 hundred dollar bonus which i always thought was cool it was kind of like the price yeah. is right thing where if you got within so much of the of the final thing or whatever you got it was, both yeah. things yeah. or whatever yeah
2: you know what that is that's guesspionage another jackbox yeah, yeah. game uh-huh. yeah, yeah you yeah, pick a percentage and if you get it right and higher or lower wow that is just recycled so game shows.
1: Jackbox is not really doing their own original game shows. They're just stealing shit off of the old TV game shows and making They're it extracting their little pieces. Like
2: that was yeah. just who gets control game. And they made a whole game out of it. I'll be damned.
1: Yeah. I've forgotten. <laughs> that was fun. But it was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Mm. Mo. I really, I like, I, I remember John's when he just started describing mm-hmm. it, but I've got no clue about the one that you've chosen. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> because it
0: only ran for six months. Oh. <laughs> it didn't make it past maybe make it a full year, but I mm. remember it because of the premise. And the game was called Money Maze. Mm. And it came on the afternoons. So basically, they always had married couples against each other for some reason. Like so they had two married couples mm. and they were both had this like uh it is a weird way of like determining who got to go into this maze, and it had like a huge human-size Rat maze essentially (laughs) out there. And what happens is that there'll be a question that they'd have two clues. And so a couple would pick the clue that the other couple saw. And then that couple would have to take a guess based on that clue. And if they got it right. They got a point. And if they didn't, then the other couple got a chance to steal. And then whoever is <laughs> out of eight questions, whoever had the most got to go in the maze. I just watched it just for the maze part because one person would go into the maze. The other one would be above it trying to direct them. And if they could get all oh. the flags that were in the different parts of the maze, in a certain amount of time, they won the money based on how Holy it worked.
1: Crap. I think I remember this one. Now too. <laughs> oh, God, no. I must have watched a lot of game shows. Yeah,
0: it was like one of these ones that came on like four o'clock. It was like an after school thing. And really I only watched it just for the maze cuz I kept thinking how cool would it be to get to play in a huge human sized rat maze essentially yeah, like you're just running <laughs> gathering cheese just gathering cheese <laughs> and they had things like they had like
2: revolving doors kind of in the middle mm-hmm. that the oh, to no, direct directed around I had not Uh-oh. thought of this game until that moment the revolving oh, yeah, doors okay. I remember <laughs> that Oh no that's right Yep <laughs> and how was, did I and see this
0: the, and I remember I remember very very few people getting through the whole thing because yeah. they didn't have a lot of time and it was it was hard you know it's hard to direct somebody from above and it's a
2: maze it's not
0: it's, it's not easy to get mm-hmm. through <laughs> and it wasn't like a simple maze either it was a right. damn complicated maze no, it was maze. yeah Mm. The sad thing is I was trying to look for some videos of this and there's a couple out there, but it turns out that a lot of the tapings were erased because the the tapes were so expensive that they would reuse them.
1: Reuse them. them. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So there was no real archive. Well, they had to cover all those damn Prices Right and Wheel of Fortune and all those (laughs) shows. We have thousands (laughs) of those to get through.
2: (laughs) And the host was Nick Clooney. You know the last name. Nick Clooney. George
0: Clooney's father? Father, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'll be damned. His dad. dad Small world. (laughs) Was the host of it. And they said the reason why it got canceled was mostly a lot of it had to do with the cost to run. It was a very expensive show to run for some reason because the maze was huge, apparently. (laughs) And they did have a live audience because they all had to have live audiences back then yeah and mm. so it was just just for practical reasons and i guess it just wasn't popular enough to warrant the cost so but i just remember what again just to watch the maze just the maze that was the only part that was exciting
2: for it mm. six months of it and that was it and yet somehow we all caught at least one of them because you sparked memories <laughs> for both of us oh, it's revolving doors oh my god i got it <laughs> oh man all right we get back one more segment we're going to talk about some of our favorite memories and some of our favorite games stick around Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com Patreon. Right now, we would like very much for all of you to get a look at the incredible... Money maze. And there are a hundred ways to get lost in the money maze. But if you find the right path, you win ten thousand dollars. Set the timer at 60 seconds, please. For ten
1: thousand dollars Here left. Come here. Good. Now come this way. Hit the button. Here on the maze racers, every weekday,
2: on the money maze, with your host, Nick Clooney. We cannot get out of the show without taking a moment to talk about, we talked about some of the better known, some of the lesser known, but we want to take a moment to talk about, highlight our favorites. What are our favorite game shows or game show moments? George, let me start with you. What is your favorite?
1: Joker, Joker, U.S. History.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Joker's Wild. U.S. History.
2: I was like, Joker, Joker. It's always that disappointing
0: third one. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Joker, Joker, famous Russian authors.
1: (laughs) I, I loved the Joker's Wild. It was so fun. I truly loved, loved, loved that show because it, it was set up, first of all, there was two contestants and it was like a giant slot machine in front of them. Yeah. And they would have these handles on their did the big, on their little podiums <laughs> yeah, that they pulled. Yeah. They would have the big one when they played the main thing later on, but it was just these three spinning reels of different trivia categories and loving trivia the way I do and loving gambling the way that I do. (laughs) It was like the perfect combining of those two things in a game show. Now, originally, this was hosted by its creator, Jack Barry, for several years until he died. The guy I remember hosting it the most was Bill Cullen, and that was the guy who in the 80s was hosting. He had the glasses, the really thick rimmed glasses. Mm -hmm. And I just it was so crazy. It was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, just like every time you were dying for that third Joker. I know you were just dying for it. (laughs) Joker, Joker, U.S. History. God damn it. And if if you got all
2: three, you got to it was like the huge money, but you got to pick your category, like anything you wanted. You got to
1: pick your category, which was the big thing. Yeah, so
2: that's why and it was always two Jokers and something horribly obscure that you knew you weren't going to get well, but it was big money. That was terrible.
1: (laughs) Right. And the Jokers were wild cards just like they are in Mm -hmm. poker, which was great. And they could be any category. So you you could take two Jokers and pick your own category, but it was less money than if you went with the U S history category, which now you quote had three of the slots on U S history, which Mm -hmm. would be more money. And the whole object was to get to a certain value of money to win that round and then go play the big bonus round where you would spend the big one, which was, all money Money. cards Mm -hmm. and devil cards and if you got the devil devil card it was like the whammy on press your luck where you would just lose all your money yep oh i love this one it was so much fun all three of us my mother my father and myself we would all watch this game show we loved it to this day i it's the one of the few game shows that i don't know there probably is a home game version but jesus christ i want an electronic <laughs> home game version of joker's wild we had a yeah, guy who have. was hosting <laughs> some game stuff on our, our discord. discord server for and a while and he did while. a great job and yeah and he had joker's wild as oh. a video game and i loved it i would love to see some more of that it was so much fun but mm. Remember earlier I talked about I had a game show that has probably the most unusual uh, host of any of them, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, yeah. Well, that host that is the one host that you would never expect to host a game show Mm -hmm. was Calvin Brodus, a.k.a. Snoop Dogg. Oh my God. Really? (laughs) What? I'm not joking. Snoop Dogg hosted a revival of Joker's Wild from about 2017 to 2019 or so. When I imagine he was too high to get back to the set or something like that. I'm interested. Did you see any of it yet? (laughs) Have you seen it? I have seen one. I went and looked at it and. I'd have to watch this. Is it what you'd expect? <laughs> it, I mean, he just he D-O-double-G up on the set, man. I mean, he <laughs> <laughs> he, he does a professional job yeah. in the one episode that I watched. <laughs> uh, they had a hostess with him as well, Jenny Mai, who was a mildly famous person at that time. She probably is on like some young people's TV show or something. But it was just Joker's wild. The, just the the way that the hosts would call out those jokers. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. the part that will stick in my mind forever. Joker, 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 literature god damn it <laughs> so i was trying to remember what
0: happens if they get three jokers
1: like they get to pick was, their own category and it's like a double amount of money of any other thing yeah. that they could get but
0: did they like automatically win the rounds if they got it right or something cr- i mean no it was, like it was a, just
1: that the it was just that the amount of money often made them win the round because if yeah, they had oh, got even it. a little bit right. of money the amount got them over the line okay got it yeah i think i mean honestly that so- that i didn't really right. care I just wanted them to have all three jokers. Just to say it, right?
0: (laughs) And the crowd goes crazy. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) It was was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. To this day, I wish I could have been on the game show Mm. Uh, at any point in my life. It's the only game show I would have applied to had I been old enough. But uh, (laughs) Mo, what about you? What is your favorite game show
0: of all time? I mean, mean, this is a a classic game that everybody knows. I'm never going to explain how the game is played because everyone knows it. It's Jeopardy. No. Alex Trebek and all this stuff. And the reason why this is one of my favorites is mostly because um, it's a game that makes you feel smart and stupid, right? When you get an answer, (laughs) you feel like you're a genius. And then when you miss it, you feel like you're an idiot. Um, And also, it's, it's a thing with, I say, a story of dads. Because me and my dad used to watch it because it came on primetime. It was also one of the few primetime games. Mm-hmm. It came on like mm-hmm. right after the news, if I remember correctly, like at night. You know, we like the evening news would come on, and my dad would switch it to Jeopardy. Right. Um. So that's back in the 80s. And then a couple of years ago with Amy, my fiance, her dad wasn't doing well, but we would go and watch Jeopardy with him. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was a game that everybody could participate. It doesn't matter your age, you could feel smart and play. And it was just like, it's just, I can't think of growing up and not think about that game. I don't know why. It's just like, it just mm-hmm. seemed like it was something that was on every night or
2: often and he said it was just a classic game that has survived for a really long time well and it's become a prestige game show like it's not yeah. smarmy it's it's had almost elevated not a purpose maybe but it has become like this oh well there's game shows well then there's jeopardy like alex right. trebek brought a sense of gravitas to it and mm-hmm. decorum and a certain amount of little hoity-toity kind of mm-hmm. he was something about that show historically when I was growing up I remember it was always Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy back to back Yeah, and it was almost like the cartoon before the movie right like Wheel (laughs) of Fortune was like we're playing Hangman and guessing letters and after it is like the cerebral trivia challenge answer the form of a question all that stuff which is an interesting dichotomy but the two of them played well together and you said George didn't they sometimes they would swap the swap the anchors back and forth the hosts right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) when they it was like a like an April Fool's thing like Trebek would go back and do wheel and and say Jack would go do Jeopardy and always felt weird
0: (laughs) yeah I I remember like when they used to do like when they started the celebrity Jeopardy that Saturday Night Live made really good fun of later oh yeah oh god yeah But the original ones, I remember they would get these celebrities on and then you would realize like, holy crap, some of these people are really smart. Like they had Cheech Marin on, mm-hmm. Cheech and Chong. Yeah, right. He swept it. I mean, the, I was like, holy crap, this guy is like intelligent. Who knew? You know, after you yeah. mentioned the Cheech and Chong movies, I had no idea. But um, I, and I think it, I liked it because also it made being smart was cool. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't yep. uh, looked down upon there. Like if you were smart, then you won money. And that was a good, good thing for you. So we got Jeopardy,
2: but John, the one you have, mm-hmm. wow, I I remember this one. So why don't you can tell everybody <laughs> about it? Yeah, so it, it's my favorite. I would say I'm not a game show fan in general. I don't seek them out. There are some I have good memories of them. I like watching them, but I don't seek them out. But Press Your Luck has become the the game show I'm most fascinated with. And it's all because of the notorious Michael Larson story. I don't know if you remember this. And George, you had just kind of mentioned this with the uh, the devil would come up in the bonus round of Joker's Wild. Mm -hmm. And that concept you said was like the whammy on Press Your Luck, which was they had this Press Your Luck had this big board of 18 tiles with a light around them and the lights would be jumping around on the board and you had to mash the button when you wanted the light to stop and it might land on a prize or it might land on money or it might land on a free spin or it might land on the whammy who was this like dancing devil. You lost everything you'd earned so far. Wow. So what had happened was this one guy, Michael Larson, he was out of work. He used to be a Mr. Softy ice cream truck driver like he bit all kinds of different careers He studied videotapes of the game and he realized this board wasn't random. There was a mechanical cycle in it and there were only five different variations. And he learned that by watching where the light hit, he would know where the next light would hit. And he went on a run this one day. So in the first round, you answer trivia and earn spins. And then you go to the board and you get to spin and you can stop whatever you want or until you run out of spins. He earned seven spins. And then he played this game where people typically won $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 maybe $10,000. He ran this thing up to $110,237 because he could figure out when to hit the button to never hit the whammy and always win extra spins. He never busted. It was after his appearance. (laughs) That the network went, we got to make this truly randomized. They had to move to a computer <laughs> instead of the mechanical system because it was just like a like a, like a a hardwired Pong machine, right? There weren't yeah. computer chips and ROMs. It was just a cycle, electrical cycle. And they're like, we got to change all of this around. There was threats. He's being investigated as a cheater. And, of course, everybody was on both sides. Like, did he cheat or did, or did he just study and learn how the game was yeah. played? Yeah, I don't think just he Just figured it out. That's not cheating at all. No. I agree. I agree. Now he definitely broke the game, but whose fault was it? There was a story of him yeah. backstage when they're about to go on with the competitors and he's talking to a guy in the green room and he showed up, he had to get a ride to the place. He showed up in a 96 cent suit that he bought at the thrift store. He was a down on his luck guy. He was talking to a guy in the green room who asked him, how many times have you watched the show? And he's like, oh, four or five times. And he's like, I've studied videotapes of it. I've watched thousands of hours. And so the guy's <laughs> like, boy, I hope I don't have to go up against you well he did and he lost (laughs) furiously (laughs) wow that's crazy yeah as a game it's fine it's cute the whammy was a big deal you know no whammy no whammy no whammy you know that's another (laughs) little thing became part of the zeitgeist but the debacle over michael larson and how he was able to game the system and it had changed the system you know back in the 70s 80s as you said mo when they made you or you couldn't make it rigged here was a state where they thought like the player had was the one rigging it, but he was just like you said, George. I just figured it out, and I deserve yep. to win. Mm-hmm. He took that money. He was, by the way, he was broke within two years. He invested in real estate, and lost it all. Oh geez, because it, okay. like, uh, it was like it was like three hundred thousand dollars adjusted for inflation is how much he got out of that show that day in one day. Bananas. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Infamy gone down in infamy as a cheater who didn't cheat. He just did well. Impress your luck. <laughs> All right. Hey, we have run through a handful of the oh hundreds God. of game shows that are available. I told you we had a huge list that we pared down, decided to just champion some of our favorites. Listener, tell us your memories of the shows mm-hmm. we talked about or the ones we didn't talk about. We'd love oh, to hear from puffs, you. Geez. Hit us up at podcast at We'd love to hear your feedback on this, your game show memories. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll spawn a sequel, a revival of the game show backtrack with another backtrack. <laughs> How appropriate would that be? <laughs> That's going to wrap it up, though, for this episode. Guys, I had a hell of a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I just wish we had
0: more time to go over more of them. Like you said, there's so many I wanted to talk about. I know, right. It it would be a four-hour show if we did even half of them.
2: It's crazy. That will put a bow on this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. Don't worry, we'll be back in two weeks with another one, and next week is the regular edition of our show. Of course, until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here, man. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you. We all appreciate most of all. We can't wait to talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun.
1: Don't you know that you grown-up?
2: Grown-Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. shows till sunrise. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Wow. Did you plan that, George? That was a great. That's perfect. perfect.
1: (laughs) Speaking of. (laughs) You've got questions.
0: We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business.